G'day, welcome to Partaker's Podcast. Come and listen. The Prayer of King David from 1 Chronicles chapter 29 verses 10 to 20. The context of this prayer by King David is for the building of the temple. Here is David, a man who despite his many faults is described as a man after God's own heart. Israel's greatest king saying this prayer of intimate praise and adoration to his God in front of the assembled throngs. This prayer, like his gifts of gold, could be said to be David's legacy to the nation of Israel, indeed to his son Solomon, and by extension also to us. Verse 10 sets the scene. Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, for ever and ever. God is their everlasting Father. Before the nation of Israel was, God is, was, and always will be. God is taking care of them, just as a father does for his children, giving generously, protecting them, and being ever available for guidance and wisdom. Verse 11 is perhaps the central verse of this prayer. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness, and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. The whole emphasis of this prayer is on the Lord God. Greatness, power, glory, victory. Majesty, they are all yours, O God, throughout the earth and the heavens and the universe. Yours, O God, is the kingdom. It's not ours, O great God, but yours and yours alone. The greatness of God, which is vast, incomparable and unfathomable. God's power is that of a warrior, almighty, overwhelming, yet compulsive and alluring. All power comes from him to every dependent creature. God's glory is the exuberant and ecstatic magnificence of his very being. Victory shows God as an all-conquering hero, transcendent and supreme, to whom all creatures and creation are subject. God's victories are irrefutable and undeniable, and his uncompromising majesty symbolizes a dignity, regency, splendor, and awesome magnificence. These words of David reflect a God who is indelible, immutable, unchangeable, and permanent. This God is a king in great splendor, a splendor of greater excess than that of King Louis XVI. This God is a mighty king to be exalted above all things, and he is to be held in his rightful place, high and lifted up. As for the kingdom, whose is it? Is it Israel's? No. Is it David's? Again, no. This kingdom is God's, and it is his alone, and it is a kingdom of total magnificence, and greater than any other kingdom or empire in the past or to come.
Indeed, Jesus is probably quoting here in what we call the Lord's Prayer, which we will come to later. This God, our God, Christ King David, is no impersonal statue or idol like the surrounding nations. This is a living God, the living God, awesome in all things that he does, yet willing to be involved in an intimate relationship with people. This is the God, Christ David, who through the Levitical law wants to be seen, to live with his people of joy and to be their living God. This God is the light of all things good, bright and blessed. This God is the greatest of the greatest, truly incomprehensible, yet also intimate and knowable. David is in utter adoration of this great God. Are you in utter adoration of this great God? I wonder if David knew that this physical temple itself was only ever going to be a temporary building until the coming of the Messiah. The time when God would no longer dwell in a house made of gold and stone, but rather live in human hearts. Wow! It is out of his wonderful, glorious grace that the Lord God Almighty gave the gifts in the first place for this temple, and the cheerful, sacrificial response from his people in gratitude to him was remarkable. All these things were given willingly. The possessions, the gold, the silver, the talents, the skills, the power and strength were all given in service of the great God of Israel, the great father of Abraham, Isaac, Moses and the other patriarchs. Surely this is a God worthy of all praise, worship and life commitment. Then in verse 14, David continues unabated. But who am I and what in my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this? For all things come from you and of your own have we given you. It's all about God for David. He would say that I am only here because of God. David exhibits and exudes great humility before God and therefore sets an example for his son Solomon and for the other people of Israel to follow. Verse 15, For we are strangers before you, and sojourners, as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. David acknowledges that Israel were only tenants in the promised land. They were on a leasehold agreement. They were to be a nation of sojourners, travelling a journey from their foundation, as a nation going ever onwards. And then in the final words of this prayer, we see David praying for unreserved and enthusiastic giving from the people. He changes from acknowledgement to petition. In verses 18 to 20, David exhorts an outpouring of generosity from his people, from a heart filled with thanks, a heart acknowledging total dependence on God for all things, a heart and life of loyal obedience to this almighty, loving and personal God. David's son Solomon also was to be wholeheartedly obedient and devoted fully to God, with a heart filled with peace with God, living a life totally devoted to God, exhibited with joyful giving. That is what David was praying for his people, and in particular for his son Solomon.
that's it for today. Come back every day to www.partakers.co.uk where there is something uploaded to help you as a Christian disciple, wherever you are in this world, to live for Jesus Christ. Our books are also available on our Amazon site at www.pulptheology.com. See you later.